Hey everybody, this is episode 11 of Artist Soapbox. Hello and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring artists from the Triangle region of North Carolina talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. In this episode, I'm speaking with Amy Sawyers-Williams. Amy is an interactive theater artist and arts educator who has been working professionally in the arts field for over a decade. Originally from Chicago, Amy has lived and worked in Madison, Wisconsin, Raleigh, and New York City, where she earned her master's in applied theater. While in New York, she worked as a teaching artist in the New York City school system and also in the prestigious New Victory Theater Education Office. Amy has devised and directed original theater with diverse communities locally and nationally. She currently oversees arts outreach and engagement at Arts NC State, is a teaching artist for Raleigh Little Theater, and runs Seesaw Projects, a new applied theater company in the Triangle. Today, we'll go deep on the ins and outs of applied theater, Amy's company Seesaw Projects, and the challenges associated with forming and growing a new company in the Triangle. Hi, Amy. Hi, Tamara. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So before we dig into applied theater and Seesaw Projects in more detail, I'd like to hear more about you. Would you tell us a story of how you came to this work? Absolutely. Um, so I think in terms of timeline a lot, so starting at the beginning, I have to mention my um, time as a young person growing up in Chicago um, was, you know, definitely relates to where I am now. I was you know, had kind of a troubled childhood, was a troubled teen, and found Chicago Community Theater um, during that time. And actually, it was a production of Steel Magnolias that I got <laughs> cast in as a Nell. And um, that changed my life. It, it gave me a community. Um, it, it, I immersed myself into theater, you know, through my high school years, which I believe in many ways kind of saved my life. Mm -hmm. And that comes back later um, as to why I'm passionate about what I do now, but that, you know, loving theater took me to, um, study it at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I wanted to be a professional actor, you know, like you do, mm -hmm. especially in college, um, but I also loved social justice. I was a women's studies major, so that was always mm -hmm. kind of percolating. Um, my, I met my then, uh, my now husband, in Madison, and he got a job here in Raleigh at NC State. He's a chemistry professor. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to leave Madison and hop over here to Raleigh with him um, and did some work down here. I think it was 20, 2009 and did some work with Burning Coal. I remember showing up at Burning Coal and being like, hi, I'm new to the area, what can I do? Um, <laughs> I'm sure they were thrilled to see you. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Jerry had me writing grants right away mm -hmm. and then I started acting with them. And then I wanted to get my MFA because I thought, you know, this is, I wanna act. And it, it was during that time I feel like the MFA rejections started to come through, right? So I would go to these big cattle call auditions at Erda's and, um, you know, make it through the first round and hear this great feedback from everyone and everyone, um, all the, you know, colleges were like, you're great, we just, we just don't know how to fit you in our ensemble. Mm -hmm. And I even heard, you know, you're, you're not thin enough, you're not fat enough, you're not old enough, you're not young enough. So it kept coming back to 
appearance again and again and again. And so it was kind of during this time I was super depressed and down about it. And a friend of mine told me um, about her her roommate in New York. And she was like, you know, she she does a program. Have you heard of applied theater? And like, I was like, no. And she was like, well, it's like theater and social justice and they don't care how you look and you can make theater and you can be in it. And, um, and I was super intrigued. Mm -hmm. And so kind of fast forward, um, I got into the program at CUNY, the Applied Theater Masters, and that's where, you know, everything shifted for me. So in New York, I, um, it was an ensemble-based program. We created our own work. I learned about um, devised theater, creating theater, you know, from the ideas of a group. Um, learned about um, creating, you know, interactive dramas for for young people, worked as a teaching artist in the New York City school system on, you know, interactive anti-bullying plays. I just learned so much and grew so much as an artist. And then came back to Raleigh in 2013. And I feel like it was Raleigh part two. Like mm -hmm. I completely saw um, the city and the triangle differently as an artist and as a citizen. And so, um, during that time, I wanted to, um, actually, I really wanted to start a company right away. And I took a summer institute, the summer I had just gotten back to Raleigh, with uh, Michael Rhodes' Sojourn Theater. And this is an incredible theater. Um, they do a lot of civic practice, and it's a lot of devised theater for kind of... Um, city and community building so Where it's a lot they? of there they are all over michael's used to be based in chicago he's now in, on faculty i think it's at arizona state okay with a few other powerhouses in the field but sojourn is made up of artists from all over the country hmm. so they do work all over they gather together i think a few times a year and then use you know internet and communication and things like that to stay in touch and to develop projects oh interesting yeah, it's super cool. And his summer institute happens each summer. Any artist can um, can apply, and so I think it's a one to two week kind of intensive. And he he's so inspiring. And I remember asking him. I was like, Michael, you know, I'm back at, in Raleigh. I want to I want to do this work. I want to start something. And he he told me like, you should just hang out for a little while. Um, really get to know people, start to do things here and there. Don't jump in right away into, um, you know, having your own company. Um, just kind of, you know, I don't know, incorporate yourself into the theater scene more mm -hmm. in ways you haven't before. And that was awesome advice because that's, I think, actually when I met you, I sought out, I've heard about a devised theater mm -hmm. company called Summer Sisters. Mm -hmm. And, and Rachel Clem, who I worked with at um, NC State, was a part of that. And that's when I met you doing... Um, was that two years ago? Was I that three years ago? It might have been three years ago. It was, it was during um, Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it must have been three years ago, right? Yeah. So Amy is talking about uh, a, a summer ensemble called Summer Sisters that Rachel Clem, the brainchild of Rachel Clem's, and uh, a group of women come together every summer and create a devised piece 
over the course of the summer on a certain topic. And the summer that, that you're talking about, we focused on Wonder, Wom Wonder Woman. We yes. were Wonder Women. <laughs> we were. <laughs> That's right. And I remember being so excited that you were available to join the ensemble because I didn't know you at all. And you came in, you were so enthusiastic and clearly so talented. And that was a wonderful connection that, that Rachel facilitated. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, I, I remember thinking like, yes, I'm, I'm starting to find my tribe. Mm. And that was so cool. And I've helped a little bit with the Summer Sisters shows since then. I haven't been um, directly involved in the in the acting or the show um, but also at that time I found the company Seed Art Share who are a Raleigh based company doing a lot of site specific work mm -hmm. and a lot of work for young audiences educational work so I started working with them and directed with them and recently directed a, a play in a coffee shop called um, Iced Coffee written by a local playwright Rebecca Boston McHugh mm -hmm. and you know, through this process, oh, and I also, I should say, I also worked at Arts NC State. I got a job when I came back doing outreach and engagement mm -hmm. at NC State in the arts. And so that's also been um, super eye-opening and a wonderful experience to get to know the community more, figure out the needs and the artistic landscape of the triangle mm -hmm. through that lens of like, you know, powerhouse university. It's, that's really interesting. Um, and so, through all of these things, I, I kind of felt like, okay, there's amazing art going on in the Triangle, and there's no doubt about that, an amazing theater. And I, I feel like, and I felt like, there was a need for more um, political, interactive, community-based stuff. And some of the terminology comes out, you know, um, creative placemaking. So, so some of these things I thought, I, I can do this and, um, and started to do it and then thought, I'd love to give some, some legitimacy. I'd love to give a name to this project. Hmm. And it so happened at the same time, my good friend from my master's program, Ellen Brown, moved back down here. She's originally from the area. She moved to Durham with her husband and is a teacher at Durham Academy. She's their drama teacher. Mm, perfect. Yep, and she approached me and said, Amy, Durham Academy really wants to hire nine teaching artists from the same company to facilitate you know, improv and um, kind of applied theater workshops for our students. Do you know anywhere in the Triangle I can find that? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I was like, no, I don't, but this is, this is the time. Um, seesaw needs to be born mm. and so and that's that's we were um, incorporated this summer and Durham Academy was our first gig and we hired nine teaching artists from the triangle to help us with that and so that's that's the long story of how how I got here now right and now you're off and running yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> so that is an excellent overview and really helpful for setting the stage for the conversation. Backtracking a little bit, Seesaw Projects is an applied theater company. What is applied theater? Such a good question. <laughs> and I have my master's degree in it. <laughs> you would think off the, you know, just right away I'd be able to tell you exactly what it is. Um, but it, it has no one definition right now. My, the way I describe it is, um, it is an umbrella term for theater practices um, that use theater as a tool 
for social justice, education, for healing, mm -hmm. and applied theater is, you, you often find it in unusual places outside of the traditional theater, proscenium stage. So you find it happening a lot in prisons, in community centers, um, in hospitals, and there's theater for development, which is overseas. Um, so I did some work in Rwanda, and we worked with young college students there in trading kind of theater techniques. But we found that um, they were very interested in using theater as a tool to try to dispel myths and propaganda about the genocide that was still going on hmm. in 2012, even though that was, you know, in 1994, 96. Mm -hmm. And so, so really I find that the, the using theater as a tool um, for X, Y, and Z is, is what applied theater really is, applying theater to those, those different areas. And I would say that it is one of the things that distinguishes it is it is almost always participatory. Mm -hmm. So usually you're always, as a facilitator or an artist, you're always working with the ideas of the community that you're working with and you're kind of creating something together, um, which is often the case, yeah. So this idea of working in partnership with a group of people seems to be one of the hallmarks yes. of applied theater. And that often means that the population that you're working with, they contribute to the, to the written piece, but they also often perform. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how do you balance? I know that um, one of the values of Seesaw is the, the artistic, let's see, what do you say? impactful artistic experiences. You'll find us working side by side with professional artists and community members who do not consider themselves artists. So how do you balance the artistic merit of the piece that you create with the use of it as a tool? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm asking? Oh, absolutely. Because I feel like sometimes people look at this type of work almost with a certain kind of snobbishness. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've run into this. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's good for that type of theater, but if you really want to see a good play, then you go down to the blah, blah, blah theater with the professionals. So <laughs> I do not subscribe to that view, but I, I'm very curious about how you kind of balance both of those goals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot about this. And I think also fundamentally, I have to say that I think sometimes um, some traditional um, professional high aesthetic theater artists can, um, yes, they can kind of poo-poo this work. But I think there's also this assumption that applied theater artists or social justice theater artists are like, this is, you know, this is the way forward. This is how theater should be. Mm. And, and I don't think so at all. I think we need to coexist with traditional theater. And um, uh, I think that that there's space for all of it. But um, getting back to your question about, um, you know, the artistic quality. So applied theater, there's no doubt about it. It is much more process oriented than, um, than the traditional theater, which is, can be often a little bit more emphasis on the product. If mm -hmm. you are, if you do have a run, that's what you're working towards. Sure. 
Um, and applied theater, you know, I should say there's, for me, it's, it's nice to be able to like chunk out a few different types. So there's, you know, a Seesaw hopes to work with um, community members and professional artists to create devised and original work. Um, and that would come from, we don't know what that would be about, but through a series of activities, we'd facilitate um, questions that the group's interested in exploring. Mm -hmm. So say we were wanted to do theater about the current political climate, which is something we, we do want to do. We would focus, I think, a lot on um, the process. And I think having professional artists in the room um, really helps with other community members. They can, they can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that in that case, we would really care about if we were going to have a show, we would care about <clears throat> everyone feeling set up for success and everyone feeling like the end product did have artistic merit. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, if we were working on workshops with young people and maybe we were going to use um, theater of the oppressed often falls under the umbrella of applied theater and theater of the oppressed was developed by Augusto Boal um, in the 60s in Brazil and it's it's an interactive, participatory form of theater. It's often used for problem solving in communities in which the actors, or I'm sorry, the audience members can often step into the role mm -hmm. of the actors and try out different ideas to change the outcome of the play. Um, so if we're doing something like that, then we care a lot about having a really strong well, TO piece is what we call it, or a strong piece of forum theater which is typically what it's called. Um, but as the actors come in and are trying out ideas, you know, that's when really the process and the aesthetic, the, the process is the aesthetic, right. if, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Um, and so, and then, and then there are other examples too where, um, you know, if we're doing some playback theater at, at senior centers, um, we're gonna try to have the best possible um, you know, reenactment of the seniors' stories that they give us. Mm. Um, but once again, I think that the the artistic merit of that is so ingrained with just the experience of someone watching their story um, be performed. So that might not be something you're going to pay $25 to see or to have a ticket for, but it's... Um, it's deeply, it's deeply important work, and I think that if you're able to work with artists who are passionate and who have experience, I think when they're working with other folks who don't necessarily consider themselves artists, artists that coming together can be a really beautiful thing. And for me, I'm not as concerned about um, it being the best piece of theater anyone's ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the process has equal weight. Right. But all that being said, my personal kind of uh, philosophy is is don't put anything up there um, that people don't feel good about. Right, so. right. So you said something about maybe people won't pay $25 for to see this. What are they paying for? Who, who would hire Seesaw? And what do you think the value is that they're paying you for? Yeah, it's a great question. So... I think that there are a number of different organizations that could hire us and that we hope will hire us and we'll, we'll be marketing to. 
One of them is schools, and they would be, what we're offering to schools um, is kind of unique. We're trying to, we're, we create interactive dramas for students based on their curriculum, and um, teachers or the PTA would pay us to come in as teaching artists and um, facilitate those with students. And so, for example, we have a piece in our arsenal called the Arab Spring Process Drama, and I've done this piece throughout the Triangle, and it's been at, toured at conferences, and I created it with some of my peers from the, um, the CUNY MA in Applied Theater, and we often do it with high school students, and we put them in role as Tunisians right before the Arab Spring happens mm -hmm. in 2010. And it was right before the, the events that set it off um, were that Mohamed Bouazizi, a local man facing oppression by the police, he couldn't take it anymore and he, he self-emulated um, and burned himself and that set off the events. So we, we really have a very carefully constructed um, world building experience and we're with the students and we're in role as well and we're essentially asking them, you know, what are what's at stake? What would it take for you to protest? Hmm. And the students enroll have to take on, you know, they decide if they're a different member of the village or what their stance is. And often there's debate and we're facilitating dialogue. And um, eventually the protest happens and we it's a beatbox protest. So everyone goes around and, you know, makes a sound and kind of <laughs> creates a rap. Nice. And it's kind of like um, it's always super powerful. It's this beautiful thing. And so we could be hired for that. Or um, a lot of applied theater, the foundations of a lot of applied theater is, is improvisation. And I'm also a trained um, improv comedian and improv actor, mm -hmm. so um, we are able to kind of cr create workshops based on, like, say, a company might want us to come in and lead a professional development, especially around, you could do areas of, you could do sexual harassment in the workplace, we could come in and work with the company to say, what are the issues? Um, we're going to create something mm -hmm. that would probably be, that would look like a, the theater of the oppressed piece, the forum piece, mm -hmm. um, creating a drama so that different folks could step in and play out different solutions. Um, we could be paid from, as I said before, senior centers who might want us to come in and do um, storytelling workshops or playback theater. Um, things of that nature. So, so right now we're in this place where we could do so many things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be smart for us to focus at first on, you know, schools, um, senior centers, and and different companies for the for the paid work. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think there's going to be some work that we do that is that is unpaid as well. And I think that's where more of the um, the devising and the creating of theater, maybe on street corners mm -hmm. or um, in museums, perhaps. Mm -hmm. That's some work we're going to do in the beginning, and, and hopefully we'll get paid, but that's, you know, we're not so sure. That might be something that we will be more in the hemisphere of writing grants for that. Right, right. You have a roster of teaching artists. It sounds like this work could be transformative not only for the people from the community who are participating, but also for the artists who are doing the work. I'm curious about how you train people to, how you train your artists 
to be available to this work, to facilitate this work? Because it's a different set of skills than yes. um, the traditional mode of acting and being on stage. Yes, it is. And this is something that, that at Seesaw, I would love to hold a series of um, professional developments for teaching artists who are interested in this kind of work. Because I think fundamentally, and for Seesaw, it's really essential that the teaching artists get our pedagogy, which is to say they get that we are working with people mm -hmm. and not for them um, and not, you know, we're not telling their stories irresponsibly. I think there's a lot of work, especially with um, white teaching artists that has to be done around white privilege and mm -hmm. making sure that any artists we hire, um, you know, understand that and have started doing the work to um, the work that never ends to mm -hmm. dismantle that for themselves because that shows up in applied theater work all the time. Um, we're, we're always, you know, creating art around injustice and imbalances and having really frank conversations with sometimes young people, you know, and sometimes seniors about what that means. Mm -hmm. And so, and then there's also, you know, I'm really interested in working with teaching artists who have both improv and theater experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the, at the Triangle and kind of everywhere, those two um, groups seem to be a little bit siloed or there's right. not a ton of cross-pollination. And, and I know there there is in a lot of cases, um, but for the most part, I would love to see, yeah, I would love to see more folks from the improv community um, engaged more in some theater work and some character work mm -hmm. um, and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So those two coming together of um, techniques is also something that's important to me. It sounds like that's an excellent opportunity, a series of workshops like that to reach out to, because I know that I'm very interested in this work, but I almost wouldn't know where to begin. I mean, I'm probably not going to go back and get my master's yeah. in applied theater at this <laughs> uh -huh. point in my life because I want to do this work with some sensitivity and an awareness of my own limitations. And mm -hmm. and I also wonder, so that would be wonderful for artists, but I also think there's an opportunity there for teachers. I mm -hmm. know that at my daughter's elementary school, there were several teachers who approached me saying, I want to work theater of the oppressed into my classroom, but I don't know how to do this. Where can I go to learn? Wow. So I think that there are opportunities there to educate the educators yep. about this type of applied theater in their classroom. So that mm -hmm. might be another interesting opportunity oh, abso there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what something you just said is that, you know, you don't even know where to begin. And I think that Focusing on, for example, we have a we have a theater of the oppressed workshop, and we're open. You know, we're doing it for teachers, or we're doing it for teaching artists, or we have a specific project that say you're working with us on, and and we're going to, you know, just spend some time before the project, delving into what is facilitation like for this, what is being an actor teacher like for this, mm -hmm. um, whatever the role is. Um, so I think that. There's that kind of overarching, we're doing training for this type of work, but then there's also the project-specific training that, that we'll do. 
And in enough time, you know, hopefully we'll work with enough local artists that they'll start to feel like, oh, yeah, you know, if this is a theater, the oppressed piece. I, I can do that. I can um, joker for that, which mm -hmm. is the term for the... <laughs> the lead facilitator in the theater of the oppressed. So many terms. <laughs> I love it. You mentioned one earlier, something called creative placemaking. Yes. That sounds very intriguing. What does that mean? Yes. So there's part of me that kind of like giggles at it because it's just, there's so many um, So much terms, jargon. <laughs> jargon that can seem alienating, but also at the same time, super interesting to me. And so creative placemaking, I came to find out about this term through the NEA. I feel like the NEA right now is like extremely into creative placemaking. And they define it as the intersection of art making and community development, especially, especially with regard to like city um, city development or, or working with, you know, m municipal partners and artists. Hmm. And it's about creating art that seems to activate public spaces. Um, and I think that it, for me, creative placemaking always has a dotted line back to um, city development or city revitalization. And so um, the NEA right now is funding a lot of different creative placemaking projects. I think they just funded something down in Kinston um, in which they're, I can't remember exactly what they're going to do, but it's like working with artists in schools and um, in, in community centers. And so they're usually kind of large scale projects, mm. but I'm curious to know if any creative placemaking projects have been funded in Raleigh or Durham or Chapel Hill yet. I'm not quite sure. Do you have another example of what this could look like because I'm having a hard time yeah. imagining it. You know what, now that, that you say it, I think an example would be there is a woman, um, Carter, and her last name's gonna escape me, but she does, um, she's a artist here in the Triangle and also I think in Oregon, she splits her time and she does something called Flora Feedy. Hmm. And so she works with schools and organizations to um, dream up a message that they want to um, get out to the city and then they plant little seeds um, in different, you know, if they've got like a large area that, mm -hmm. that you can plant in, they plant seeds to spell out this message. Oh, interesting. And then the, um, usually it's like wheatgrass or something that grows up and it'll say something like, you know, justice. Mm -hmm. And then at that time there's kind of a, a festival or celebration around it. There's spoken word that's done when the when the grass grows up and there's different stakeholders that are invited to that, to be a part of that process. And that might be city council members, you know, school board, students, you know, community members. Hmm. So I think that's a, that's a really good example of, of a creative placemaking project, but it, it can be gray. I feel like you can, you can probably say um, theater performed you know, on street corners about local issues or um, maybe not even about local issues, maybe just, uh, maybe just you know, theater being performed outside in site-specific locations. I think you could make the argument that that is creative placemaking as well because it's activating um, public spaces. Hmm. Also the parklets. I don't know if Durham has parklets. No, what's um, a parklet? Parklet seems <laughs> like a little park. Starting, yeah, it's probably starting parklets. <laughs> it's like 
It's like you're walking down like a city street, but then all of a sudden there's this little area that has, um, yeah, that has, I don't know, like herb garden growing and space per per okay. for performance. So with Seed Art Share, we performed um, at first night last year um, in this little parklet. We did a little um, production about local historical figures. And I would say if that were, I would say that could be arguably could be creative place making as well. Hmm. The parklet and the performance. <laughs> <laughs> that is adorable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it occurs to me that something interesting potentially is happening as we as we focus more and more of our attention online and sort of these virtual connections. That's one extreme of sort of virtual placemaking. People create worlds that exist on a different dimension, mm -hmm. but there's also this strong urge to claim our community physical space with other physical beings and telling stories that are um, more rooted in the realities that we transport ourselves through every day. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think mm -hmm. it's a really interesting because I feel like this idea of site-specific work, of work that engages different stakeholders in the community, in the place where they live and work, is really taking off. And it's always been around, mm -hmm. but it's taking off in a way that seems to have more steam. And the fact yes. that it's being funded by government agencies, which yeah. is really exciting um, means that that is that it's going to be rolling forward. Do you have any thoughts about why why people are embracing this yes, type of work? I do. I think it is because um, I think Sherry Turkle wrote a book called Alone Together and um, and it's about you know the 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 development of our technology and and how more and more we're, we're looking at our phones, you know, while we're in the same room and we're not talking. Um, so with more and more tech like that, I feel like there's this, you know, there's this other opposite um, pull to bring people together and to have people engage um, in person, uh, in creative ways. And when you think about it, sometimes you think about what we're talking about, some you know, engagement on the street with people like that, that's been going on for thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. That's what theater used to be mm -hmm. in the beginning. Pull there, up your wagon. Yeah. And it was all participatory. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's a big, I think, um, some of the, you know, the founders of applied theater were very much like, you know, fuck the establishment. We don't want a passive audience anymore. We want to get back to the the way that it used to be and um, yeah, fuse, fuse audience and actors. Mm. And so I think that that, yeah, I think that that, um, that essence of, of being alienated by technology and as we move more and more with, uh, we're like hearing more about like AI and mm -hmm. these different things. And I have an Alexa and <laughs> I like feel like at home I'm living like in the Jetsons mm -hmm. kind of. And so, um, I think that there's, and you can, I think, see it in other movements too, like board games and, you know, the kind of farm to table movement. Mm -hmm. I think people are are countering this with with human to human um, interactions that feel even organic, mm -hmm. maybe. 
If there's a really meaningful moment you can share from an experience that you've had in applied theater where you saw you saw real change occur like in front of your eyes, do you have such an experience to share? I do. I do. I I think the one that comes to mind right away um, is one of the times we were facilitating the Arab Spring process drama. Um, two things that, that, that came from that. Um, one is when we're, we're th we, we, you know, complete the drama, the, the protest has happened, and then we, um, we exit out of role. We tell the students to relax. We're, we're reflecting and we ask them, you know, what is, how can this relate to your life and what are some forms that we, we ask, our central question is kind of like, what is your tipping point? What would, what would it take for you to drop your routine, um, to risk things and to go out um, on the street and, and protest? And one of the students who um, was a young black boy said, um, being in school is my form of protest. And that was um, a moment I think you could just feel the rest of the, the students in the group really, really thinking about that. Um, and then also with that, when we were doing a few other process dramas um, in New York, I remember some of the students we heard afterwards, because some of our peers did a process drama on um, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. And these um, high schoolers had to do, I think one of, their, one of their exams or one of their standardized tests was essay writing about the jungle. So they created this experience for them to live through and to go through the policy that was, you know, they mm. are in role as like policymakers and they're in role as like undercover janitors at the um, slaughterhouse. But anyway, after what we heard from the students were um, that students who were not previously able to write about things, they could write for the first time in their essays um, about this experience because they had they had physically experienced it they right. had lived through so I think it's um, I think that those things and it kind of can be distilled down to applied theater allows people ways into the conversation that they didn't normally have mm -hmm. because you're all experiencing this art this unusual way and then suddenly you can talk about it because you're all on the same page. It's not like you have one expert in the room asking you to raise your hand and single you out, right. and, and then you can talk about yeah, what it is. So it's, I think, a very democratic, um, beautiful process, mm -hmm. which is why. And gives people multiple access points. Yes. Right, to exactly. different ways of experiencing and learning and, and conversing and Wow, this is deep. I love it, it. It is deep. And there's there's one one beautiful, I was just reading about applied theater last night because I was like, what is it? I need to define it tomorrow. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Um, and this guy, Stefan Morales from TogetherWorking.com says, um, applied theater combines the use of the participants' indigenous knowledge and practice with the toolkit of drama and theater, myths, plays, devised performance, dramatic techniques, and so on. And I just loved that participants' indigenous knowledge mm. um, and to be able to tap into that because the, the power of seeing your story um, 
performed or talked about or embraced mm -hmm. is, um, you know, so many people don't have that chance or they don't think their story means anything. Right. And I think actually we're seeing that right now a lot with, you know, what's happening in this watershed moment for sexual violence too. Right, right. Yeah, the power of your story. The power of your story and the power of being seen as an expert on something, yes. someone with knowledge that is worth sharing. Yes. And I think that is incredibly empowering for for people mm -hmm. and reframes, it allows people to retell their own personal story, to reframe their personal story, which can really be transformative for I folks. I agree, I yes. agree. My, my um, thesis in grad school was, I cre we created um, a family storytelling workshop um, and it was, um, actually it was, it was called Performing Legacies. So we had a group at a church, anyone could come, it was non-denominational, but they were able to select stories from their past and have them performed mm. um, and either be the director or be in them and then um, you know, talk about them later. And so, yeah, once again, I think um, it was just, that was incredibly powerful too. Wow. Yeah. I hope to do that work in, in the triangle as well. I think there's, there's, some, there's some potential for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Legacy is deep here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Seesaw is a recently formed company. Was, is it this year that you Yeah, involved? we're babies. Oh, I love it. <laughs> July. <laughs> July is a wonderful birth, birth month. Oh, what you. challenges do you face being so new? I mean, you have an established network. You understand, I think, the scope of what is needed here and different access points. What, what are the challenges that you face as a new company and what are the advantages that you also have as a new company? Hmm. Well, the challenges seem to be just being able to define what it is, what is applied theater and how it can, it can be so many things. Um, and so we can do so many things, right? And so that, that can be maybe confusing to people. It might be a little bit easier if we were like, hey, we're Seesaw and we, we go into schools. That's right. what we do. Or we, we work with senior centers, that's what we do. And, you know, along down the road, maybe that it, maybe we will be honing it in. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things about being the artistic director I'm passionate about is seeing us as a laboratory, seeing us as a place where you can experiment mm. um, and seeing how that goes for the first couple of years. But that is also a challenge. And I've also found that because we are not a nonprofit, um, because becoming a nonprofit is complicated right. and a long process, so we're, we're an LLC. So I found that um, applying for local grants is really difficult. Right. So many grants, um, you have to be a nonprofit or you have to be in the process. And even if you're sponsored fiscally by somewhere like Fractured Atlas, um, it still, for some people, will, won't cut it and you can't apply for grants. Mm. So on the other side, an advantage that we have is that we're very collaborative. So we want to work with other organizations. <clears throat> and so I think that one way around that is, is, to, is to partner mm -hmm. with other organizations, museums, established nonprofits, and say, let's work together and, um, and create a new program. Um, one, I should say, one program we're really hoping that will take off in the next couple of years is creating a youth theater, um, which would, we'd model it on the Creative Arts Team Youth Theater from New York, which mm -hmm. is just an incredible model. Um, 
teens from you know all across the area can um, go to this after school and they create devised theater hmm. and then have a show at the end of each um, each year. Um, so once again, to do that, I'm sure we would have to we'd be partnering with other organizations. Right. Um, so advantages and disadvantages, and also just getting our name out there. Right. Um, I think that I. I kind of love marketing and I do a lot of marketing and outreach in my work at ArtsNC State. So that's an advantage. I'm excited about um, kind of boots on the ground ways to to go and meet other communities mm -hmm. and that that's kind of, you know, that's that's not easy going into churches or, or places that I'm, you know, an outsider and, mm -hmm. and seeing if there's a need and getting to know people and things like that. So. So there's a lot of work ahead, but it's it's really exciting. So I don't the the challenges um, are they're just providing more kind of fuel for us. I would mm. say at this time to be innovative. I love it. <laughs> Final question. Yes. Why seesaw? Where did that name come from? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, it I had been wanting to call a company seesaw for several years. I think that the uh, there's three reasons. The seesaw, um, at first, it, I think it talks about an interplay between um, the past and the present, and how they're they're constantly they're they're constantly in a dance, right? And that's what theater, mm. um, that's what theater, the theater of life is. You see it, and you saw it was, it's it's um, also the seesaw as a playground uh, piece of playground equipment speaks to me about balance and about imbalance and so we talk a lot about that work in applied theater mm. and then coincidentally it happens to be my mom's nickname Aww. my mom is Kathy Sawyers with a C and so we call her Seesaw and have called her that for years Aww, so it seemed cute. like a really nice nod to her as well wonderful yeah well thank you so much Amy thank you for Tamara. this really illuminating conversation I'm so glad that you were here, and I can't wait to see what happens with Seesaw. I'm, I think it's going to change the landscape of theater in I this area. It. And, I, and if people want to um, learn more about us, they can visit our website, seesawprojects.org, and also Seesaw Projects on social media. Oh, great. I will include all of those links in the show notes. We talked about quite a few things, so there's a lot for me to include in the notes on this episode, um, and I will do that. Special thanks to Shadowbox Studio in Durham, North Carolina, where we are recording today. Check out their website, shadowboxstudio.org. For information about today's episode and more, go to artistsoapbox.org. And we're out. <laughs>